Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hello, and welcome back to Raising Joy. My name is Dr. Kristen Perch, and I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist at Cook Children's Hospital. And I have a very special co-host with me today, Miss Laura Van Hoosier. Hi there, and I'm going to try to do a great job of filling some really big shoes of Winnie King. Uh, I work with her closely and, of course, with Kim Brown. So thank you for having me here. Yes, we're happy that you were able to come and join us. So today um, we're going to talk a little bit about trauma, which I, I'm sure that our listeners know is a recurring theme in our podcast. Um, and But we're going to take a little bit of a different approach about it because we're going to talk about how it affects education. And I'll say that working in the hospital, sometimes trauma shows itself um, in really kind of unpredictable ways, like maybe a kid that's ordinarily pretty calm is very like aggressive and disruptive in the emergency room because of um, a previous childhood trauma that they had not discussed. And then all of a sudden they're triggered and boom, like they have this explosive outburst and everyone's really surprised. And so, you know, that's how it kind of shows itself in the hospital sometimes, but I think that also it impacts a kid's education in terms of how they're able to learn or how, um, and then sometimes in their behavior at school. And so we have some really great guests that are going to come today to talk to us from Fort Worth ISD about how trauma impacts education. So we are honored to have Michael Garcia and Remington Meyer with us today from Fort Worth ISD. Yes, we are. Thank you for joining us. Michael is a licensed professional counselor, and Remington is a licensed master social worker, and both are trauma specialists with the Prevention and Crisis Response Team at Fort Worth ISD. Welcome to Raising Joy. Hey, nice to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. So what exactly is the Prevention and Crisis Response Team at Fort Worth ISD, and what kind of services do you provide? Well, um... We have kind of two facets to our job. One is the crisis response. So whenever there's some sort of crisis or event that happens on one of the campuses, we go out, uh, help uh, work safe rooms, help people and help the adults and the students on the campus process the loss or whatever tragedy may have occurred. But the bigger part of our work is the prevention side. And that's where we do lots of training up front. We want to educate teachers and students and uh, all stakeholders on what trauma-informed approach looks like, what it means, um, what's it, what it's like to use those interventions in the classrooms and in our hallways and our campuses, and, and really how to build connection with our kids, deep connection uh, to help them, you know, when kids are having trauma, how do they express that? And who are they going to trust with that? And so all of our uh, preventive work is teaching the adults how to gain that trust, how to work with kids, how to recognize those behaviors you described in the emergency room. Those occur in our classrooms as well. So when they occur, what's our mindset? How are we viewing this child? And how can we change the way we interact to help them better manage those behaviors and those emotions? And certainly with Uvalde just last week and Tulsa had a tragedy yesterday. Sure that hit close to home for you guys. It did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, your way into empathizing with what's happening is, is where you see yourself in that situation and in the work setting, you know, that would be an incident that we would respond to if we were in that district. And 
my thought was, oh my God, I don't know how you could respond to something like that. And thinking about those people in that district or in that community who are responding and what they're going through, um, in addition to the families and the direct victims, you know, how big that impact is. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I believe Uvalde is a pretty small community, a tight knit community. So I'm sure it affects every, like yeah. every person. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm just glad that, um, and I hope that they have access to a crisis team in Uvalde and, mm -hmm. um, and those sorts of things. I think that they're, um, from what I hear that they're working on putting together some extra resources for them and things like that. So I'm, I'm glad that they're taking into account the mental health aspect of what happened. Yes. And all of this is happening as we're still in the middle of COVID and what, ha what impact has COVID had on your students? Oh, wow. I, it's definitely had a great impact on, on students and adults on campus. Um, I mean, the truth is we don't know how much it's going to affect everyone in the long run, uh, but we have seen um, higher levels of anxiety and depression in the schools. Uh, combine that with the added stress of kind of, uh, we still got to keep this train moving, right? We have star tests and we have all the pressure that comes with that. And for the students and the teachers to be trying to manage everything that we're dealing with over the past two years with COVID on top of the, the high expectations that everyone has, uh, has only compounded some of that anxiety and stress um, that everyone on campus is feeling. Yeah, I like the way you answer that because I think our kids are, on, are doing only as well as the adults are doing. Good point. And so primarily we, we work a lot with teachers and adults and the stress is off the charts for our teachers, you know, millions leaving profession. And, um, and so that's indicative of how our students are doing too. Absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. and, and you guys talked about how important that connection is with the teachers and things like that. And so, um, I think the connection could be something that could keep a, or keep a, a teacher in the job because they really care and they have a heart for it, but also it could, the connection could be too much and it may be overwhelming, overwhelming. and mm -hmm. it just may be time for them to leave. And so mm -hmm. I think it's just really hard for teachers to manage caring about a whole lot of kids, you know, um, and carrying that weight sometimes. Right. Yeah. And the truth is, um, it was hard before the pandemic. Yes. And so yeah. it's incredibly yeah. difficult now for teachers. Yeah. Um, and I feel for them, a lot of our work when we do trauma informed approach is really the work we do with adults. And sometimes to, to get to be able to change that mindset where you can see these behaviors as survival behaviors rather than um, willful disobedience. You have to be in a place where you can see that, where you can have that paradigm shift. And for our teachers whose lids are flipped themselves, who are also having the same type of responses that our kids are, that's difficult to do. So we always come in with the approach of let's be empathetic and compassionate to what they're going through so we can build there and start there. That's great. So you guys start with the empathy for the teachers because you know how hard their job is yeah. to support them being empathic with their students. Like mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I think that's so great. And trauma-informed care is something that we talk about a lot in healthcare, but you're using this concept in the school district. So can you explain what trauma-informed care is for our listeners and how Fort Worth ISD is using this model? Yeah. Um, it, to me, it just starts with having an understanding of toxic stress and large that it's we try to make it not a jargony term like trauma is just a, a word for big lots of stress. And so, um, kind of the groundwork is understanding the prevalence of that in our population. So it starts there, 
almost everyone um, we know is impacted by some kind of trauma uh, early on or, or right now in their life. They're going through something difficult. And so if we understand that first, then like Michael's saying, we can understand what behaviors are actually communicating. And when we're training, we're always trying to um, help staff internalize that even for themselves and their colleagues. So if you can understand your colleagues' behaviors and maybe what they're communicating, then you can understand your, your students' behaviors. So starting with understanding the impact of trauma is, is the groundwork. Yeah. And then, and then having that mindset shift of, you know, we see these big behaviors from a kid and the antiquated thinking is what's wrong with this kid? There's something wrong with this kid rather than having that trauma informed mindset. That's asking the question of what happened to this child or what's happening now? What history do they bring and what do they need right now? Like changing the shift, that shift of, I command you obey to more of a, uh, we, I'm going to power with you instead of power over you. Uh, it, I like to say on trainings, it's simply how do we just be good humans to each other? Because mm -hmm. you think about all your uh, precious relationships in your life, they're probably already trauma informed, right? If you're in a relationship that isn't, doesn't look like that, we tend to kind of distance ourselves from those relationships. So helping teachers understand that there shouldn't be a switch with the relationships they have with these students. Let's treat them the same way we would anyone else. And that makes the work easier when we can build that connection. And you touched on it a little bit about how common, uh, stress and trauma is you're seeing this in every classroom your phones are probably ringing off off the wall right mm -hmm. yes yeah um and we also try to get a, a real handle on the impact of it so um for the past four or five years we've been yeah. um doing a self-report survey with all fort worth isd fourth and fifth graders that measures post-traumatic symptoms um, so it's like a self-report kind of stress activity bundled into what we call a guidance lesson about stress and taking care of ourselves and um, taking care of our brains. Um, and they do this activity at the end of the lesson. And it's based on um, grounded research by Ricky, Gringo Ricky Greenwald. Um, I think his, his instrument was called the Child Report of Post-Traumatic St Stress Symptoms. So we use that. And for the past, what, four or five years, it's indicated that 70% of our fourth and fifth graders uh, indicate high trauma symptoms. Wow. And this year we did it and it was 74%. So it's wow. gone up. Yeah. So no the, surprise there. Right. Do you guys have a feel for like what kind of traumas are the most prevalent in Fort Worth? I mean, I guess I'm trying to help our listeners understand, are we talking about um, early childhood abuse and neglect? Are we, or something, um, mm that may be stressful to other people. That's just not really to that level. So whenever you guys say yeah. like chronic, like what, right. What, what do we mean yes. by that? Yes. So that's the tricky part. Cause the survey, a, I want to say it's a self-report measure, right? So it, it's not an exact thing. And it is also not measuring trauma. It's measuring trauma symptom. So we can conclude or we can infer if you have high trauma symptoms, it's probably indicating exposure to something traumatic, but we don't know what that is. Um, we don't know when that was or if it's still ongoing. So um, for that, we would have to look at other statistics, you know, abuse statistics and neglect statistics. Um, but we also know lots of things can be traumatic, including just the experience of living through poverty and scarcity yes. and yes. stressed out parents yes. and an educational system that doesn't seem to be meeting your needs, right? Just going to school sometimes is traumatic for kids. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you touched on that because what I've been thinking lately is I'm wondering how much of the trauma symptoms these kids are actually getting while in the school. Like how much are we contributing 
mm-hmm. to that stress? How much mm-hmm. are we contributing to that anxiety and that depression mm-hmm. um, with the pressures we put on the kids, with the lack of relationships with adults on the kids, with the lack of a safe person for these kiddos to reach out to? Um, we have to we have to be honest with ourselves and ask how much of this are we contributing to? So if we're going to really be a trauma informed school, if we're really going to be a trauma informed community, what do we need to change in our systems and our beliefs and our way of doing things mm-hmm. uh, that helps kids feel safe, feel empowered, and feel connected when they're at school? Absolutely, I I just feel like over over time there've just been increasing demands on placed on teachers. And so their class sizes are bigger. Mm-hmm. And I just think that they don't have the connection that teachers had whenever I was growing up. And so I think that because of that, they're they're losing the connection. They're burning out. The students feel it. And then especially if they are a kid that comes from a hard place, then it's I guess it's easy to look at the kid who is tearing up the classroom and just be really frustrated with him because you you know, like you're trying to manage 23 other children. And so how, you know, how are you able to do that? So I'm just glad that you guys are um, thinking about that and thinking about how to support the teacher, how to get these kids connected. I think it's so, so, so important. So how do you guys teach teachers, like how to better work with, with the students? Well, we have a couple of ways that we can get in front of teachers. One is we offer flex training. Teachers have to get so much training throughout the year. And so we offer, um, trainings that can inform them just kind of like Remington to said, we try to approach it in layman terms, make it really down to earth, less clinical, less like, cause I don't want teachers to hear trauma informed care and think, well, I'm a teacher, not a clinician. That's not for me. We want to break it down to so that. We don't just do this as clinicians. We do this as parents. We do this as caregivers. We can do this as educators. And so getting in front of them and training them on these concepts and what these interventions look like is one way. Another way is we can get called out cause they can have behaviors in a classroom and, and our, our, department is out there and we can get referrals saying, Hey, I have these big behaviors in this class. Can you come take a look at this kiddo? I, I don't know how to help him. And so we come out that way and and we're always coming in. We call it like the Trojan horse approach. Yes, we'll come help you fix this kid. But really what we're doing is going to try and change the, the way the adult is interacting with the kiddo. It's always about changing the adult's behaviors, their mindset, managing their emotions so that they can in turn model it and um, teach it. Yes. And, and that's the same pretty similar to the work I do with parents, you know, like, how do you, how do you help support the kid? Um, because honestly they're just growing and developing. And so Mm -hmm. they, they don't have the same, um, mental resources or emotional control that we do, like their frontal lobes still growing. So Mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, they're not quite ready, um, to be able to take that on all by themselves, especially if they've had like significant trauma. Yeah. And I think the way we get buy-in with teachers, with educators, science is the way. And so if we can explain the brain science of it all. How is this toxic stress and trauma affecting the development of this child's brain? Then they can get a grasp. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense to me now. It's not just this kid trying to ruin my day or, or ruin my agenda. <laughs> and I'm so glad y'all are there for the teachers, but what kind of words of wisdom or uh, advice do you have for parents who are struggling and how can they better help their child? Yeah. Um, First, let me say parenting is freaking hard. (laughs) It's it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm a licensed professional counselor who teaches trauma-informed care to adults and children. And guess what? I wasn't trauma-informed with my kiddos last night because it's hard and we can't expect to be perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. It's about practicing grace for ourselves, giving ourselves redo to say, hey, you know, I don't like the way I handled that. Is it okay if I try that again? And we're modeling to kids that, hey, you're not always going to get it right. 
But if we can use our words and our kindness, we can have another shot at, at this. And, and that's a beautiful thing about relationships is we can work, work to repair them and connect with each other. Yeah. And how can, um, how can parents help their kids open up about how they're feeling? Do, do you have any tips or tricks about how to like get them talking about like what happened at school today and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, I think it's hard when um, so much of our life is spent living at a fast clip and just this idea of present quality time becomes really important because our, our kids know, you know, and we know when um, we use the word like lobbing questions at each other, but we're not really paying attention to each other. And kids know what that feels like to be asked, look, how was your day? But I'm not really listening. I'm driving or, you know, multitasking, right? which we're, we're constrained to do sometimes because there's a lot going on in our lives. But the more you invest in that quality time, kids know when you're present and listening and they know when um, they're being heard. And I think the more money you put in that relationship bank mm -hmm. of I'm here, I'm, I'm just spending some like five minutes of quality time, just me and you, eye contact, eye to eye, um, that goes a long way and getting kids to open up. And, and not judging the answer. Yes. I think yes. the hardest thing is, is kids <laughs> always feel judged by their, by the answer, you know, to a parent, it's easier to talk to uncle or cousin or sibling because the, the relationship is different. Yeah. As parents, we don't want our kids to struggle. We don't want to see them in pain. And so when they share something that is bothering them, we can tend to be, to minimize it or be dismissive because it's not that big a deal, kid. I went through the same thing. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But for them, it is a big deal. That, that empathizing. Yeah, so that mm -hmm. empathizing and being compassionate about that, what they're going through right now is huge to them. And even though we may not agree with it, we can support it and say, hey, I'm here with you. I get you. I see you. I hear you. I understand. What do you need right now? And then let our kids ask us. We're also free to just willingly give them advice when maybe that's not what they're looking for. They just yeah. want to be heard. Let our kids ask us if they want that advice uh, and then yeah. provide it um, because it, we can tend to judge when we give advice too. <laughs> <laughs> we, we always want to have the answer, I think, for our kids. Like, they're coming to me and I better have something good to say. I think, man, I'm throwing a stat out there 90% of the time. They just want to feel heard and nice. under understood. And that resolves a big chunk of it. I think so too. And, yeah. and helping them figure out how, like how to solve the problem on their own, right? Like mm -hmm. you, you want them to go mm -hmm. into adulthood with those kind of skills. And I feel like if we're always trying to fix it as parents, we're not helping them out. So I think mm -hmm. sometimes just asking questions, well, okay, well, like, what do you, whenever she said that to you, like, what do you think she meant? Okay. Do you think she could have meant something else? Mm -hmm. And like, you, like, like not fixing mm -hmm. the problem, but just mm -hmm. ask, helping them help solve it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like helping them walk through it, but solve themselves because mm -hmm. you want them to have that skill because they're going to need it their entire life. Yes. For yeah. sure. I know I hear from my three girls all the time, mom, no, stop trying to fix it. Just <laughs> let's just talk about it. <laughs> kids, like, kids tell you what they need. You yes, know, absolutely. we forget like kids usually know what they need. And if you ask them, Hey, what do you need? They'll give you the answer that you've been looking for as their caregiver. Yes. And if you've built the trust and they don't know, that's where they will come to you and say, I really don't know what to do. What do you think I should do? And it really starts with the little things. Our kids will come to us with, with little things, whether as parents or as educators or caregivers, they're going to come to us with little things to see how we react. And if we don't react with compassion and empathy and understanding, how are they ever going to trust us with the big things? Such a great point. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, um, yeah. And I think it's like you're saying, it's like just building that, that trust over time. So you start whenever you're in third grade, but, and you have to have that relationship before you can like ask a kid to do things or you mm -hmm. can. And so I think, yeah, that just pays off over time because whenever they're a senior, 
they may have, you know, like there are times they're, they're really going to need you. And will they know, mm-hmm. hey, my mom's got my back or my dad's got my back and I will ask them to do anything and they'll really help you out. Yeah, and I hope everyone listening to this understands that you're doing a great job. Yes. You are. You know, I listen to something like this and I read the newest parenting article. I'm like, oh, crap, I just ruined my daughter's relationships for the rest of her life. But that's not the (laughs) truth. uh, We're doing the best we can. And yes, we can do better. And uh, when when it comes to relationships and child rearing, we we have the opportunity to fix whatever we might have gotten wrong before. And we're probably going to mess up along the way. And that's okay, too. I always get some takeaways from the show, Dr. Perch and Winnie and our experts every time. Well, I learn something every time. And I talk to teenagers like all day, every day. Like I talk to kids all day and like every episode I learn or I think through something different. And so I think um, you guys are helping me to be a better parent and a better clinician. And so like, yeah, I just think that that's great. That is wonderful. So what, um, why is the response team so important that you have within Fort Worth ISD? And how many people are on your team, by the way? Oh, we are a small but mighty group <laughs> is what we call ourselves. So it's, it's just four of us trauma specialists and our, our director. And, and how many kiddos in the district? Uh, about 76 to 80,000. Wow. Yeah. You are so. a mighty team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'd say it's so important because trauma-informed care is kind of becoming uh, a, a more accepted or more understood thing in all different facets. And the whole point of what we do is to prevent more further traumatization. And that's what our crisis response is really about. It was birthed from a a really bad crisis and good crisis response helps reduce PTSD symptoms. Right. And so that's the kind of crisis response, but our larger, bigger effort that Michael was talking about at the beginning of this conversation is about what we do in the prevention side and how do we f- uh, keep preventing further traumatization and work with people who are impacted with lots of stress. And it's, it's just stress, right? That's what all trauma is. It's just high doses of stress that overwhelm our, our coping systems. And we know right now in the past three years, you know, everyone seems to be more dysregulated, more overwhelmed by high doses of stress. And so when you're, when brains are in pain and stressed out, they can't learn and they also can't teach. And so for an education system that's built on those core functions, right, we need to know how to work with brains that are in pain and and work with them instead of work against them. Absolutely. Um, I think that a lot of when we think about trauma, we think about this big event, like the tragedy that happened mm-hmm. in Uvalde or a, or a natural disaster. And yes, those are super impactful. Uh, but also a lot of our kiddos and, and we're responding to events somewhat like that or some sort of loss on the campus. But what we're learning is when we have these safe rooms, kids are, kids are triggered for some reason that they can't quite put their finger on. And it's because of the small, the small T toxic stress or t- small T traumas that they've experienced up until now are now rearing their ugly heads because they've been involved in this new, this new crisis. And so what we've learned that is that when we do these crises, it's not always about tending to the people who are directly involved with this uh, crisis, but also giving people, students and adults who are re-triggered because of old stress or old Mm -hmm. uh, trauma, a place to be able to come and share and kind of at least us be the gateway to getting them to resources to, to better deal and cope with maybe some of that unprocessed trauma that they've had in their past. And they may not even be aware of like, I, like very, very rarely can a kid make the connection. Even if I ask them directly, Hey, does, 
like so whenever the teacher was yelling at you like did that remind you of anything and they'll say they'll be like no you know like why would Mm -hmm. i ask that question and then like you dig a little deeper and like over time as they get older they're like yeah there's a reason that i really get upset when people yell at me Mm -hmm. and you know um it's but it's so it's hard i'm just glad that you guys are there to help them start to make that connection um because i think it's really important to be able to start the healing process because you got to be able to talk about it first and i'm just gonna say i'm so grateful that the team of four is there yes the kids in this district absolutely Thank you so much, Michael and Remington, for joining us today. This has been a great conversation, and I'm so happy to know that Fort Worth ISD is taking steps to address trauma and stress impacting our kiddos. Absolutely. We also want to thank all of our listeners. Please review, rate, and subscribe, and find all of our joy campaign materials on cookchildrens.org slash joy. Hope I did okay filling in for Winnie. It's big shoes. Big, I, big deep breath you. now. <laughs> well, until next time when you'll hear Winnie again with Dr. Perch. Uh, just breathe. Open up. You, you matter. matter.